trial between Apple and Epic has yielded a fair bit of industry gossip and details starting to wind down. But later today, arguably the biggest name is set to appear in court. Apple CEO Tim Cook is set to testify. What do we expect to hear? I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. Here to discuss the trial is Apple expert and CNET editor-at-large, Ian Scher. Welcome, Ian. Hey. So Apple and Epic have been arguing their case in court for the last few weeks. And for those of us who haven't been following the day-to-day, can you give us a quick summary of how it's gone? It's been a very interesting uh, court case. And, and part of, you know, we were all expecting it to be interesting anyway, because this is one of the first major tech antitrust trials that we've seen, even though it isn't the government versus a tech company, rather two tech companies up against each other. Um, it's the first time we've really dealt with these issues in a very serious legal context for a long time. The last time something major like this happened, it was when the United States sued Microsoft and that all ended in basically a slap on the wrist and Microsoft continuing doing what it was always doing. So what I think has been really interesting here is that we've gotten opportunities to both dig into that debate about how does antitrust apply to technology, but also there's been a lot of really interesting revelations about each company that we've had throughout and even companies around them. For example, uh, there was some data that came out of Microsoft who, uh, you know, one of their people testified during this case uh, that confirmed something that we've all kind of known inside the video game industry, which is that the Xbox hardware doesn't actually make any money. It never has. It's always been the video games and the royalties that come from them that make money. It's the razor and razor blades model, as it's called, you know, the same as they sell you a printer for nothing and then charge you on the ink. Um, so that was an interesting little thing of its own. We saw a lot of also kind of learning how Apple's uh, App Store review process works. There was a lot of details about the intricacies of it that we really never knew before. And Apple actually like put out like actual PowerPoints, like, well, not PowerPoint, Apple's version, but you know, a, a whole, a slide deck, we'll call it that, of all of the ways that this works so that the court could understand how app review works. But of course, we as the people watching also got to learn a lot about how inside Apple thinks. And that's always kind of fun. Definitely. And we'll, we'll dig into that. But obviously the big name coming up Tim Cook, he is set to testify later today. What are we expecting? Are there going to be some fireworks here? Are we going to expect big revelations? Or I mean, I know Tim Cook is a fairly reserved guy uh, when it comes to things like this, public statements. But what are you expecting? Yeah, there's definitely the Tim Cook, the soft-voiced kind of slight Alabama drawl. I don't know what we're going to get. This time, whether we're going to get that or a, a more kind of stoic version of him or whatever, it's been very interesting to watch other Apple executives on the stand. So Phil Schiller, the, the former head of worldwide marketing, now the head of the App Store, he was rather animated and had a lot of fun kind of answering questions. Uh, and then he started getting pressed and he kind of, you know, retreated back. Um, but we also got Craig Frederighi, the head of software, who literally started out his testimony by slamming the security on his own computers. 
and saying that malware on the Mac is a huge problem. It needs to get under control. And he did that to kind of throw the Mac under the bus and argue that Apple should be allowed to control the App Store the way it does, which is what this lawsuit's about. So that was a really interesting revelation. And I don't know whether Tim Cook's going to take a more Phil Schiller nice guy approach or the Craig Federighi kind of, you know, <laughs> pushing back and, and fighting this whole thing approach. Now, I know the last time we talked, which was ahead of the trial, you know, we talked about how the judge was did her homework with this case, was trying to be more tech savvy about it. how is that gone and, and how is the, the I guess the the rhetoric or the level of discourse uh, during this trial been? Yeah. So I have followed mostly jury trials in my career. And I, I haven't had the pleasure of doing a bench trial before. So this may be something that's very common. But to me, it was really unusual to see the judge actually, you know, the person who's deciding the case actually get to ask questions throughout, right? And because she's the judge, she could just jump in whenever she wants. So there were some really interesting exchanges where she basically jumped in and undercut a lot of people's arguments with these really thoughtful questions. For example, when Apple, uh, one of their app store managers was up on the stage, you know, they were talking about how um, at one point they were being asked, have you done studies about what other people do uh, with app stores and all sorts of stuff like that? And how do you know you're the best? And the judge jumps in and she says, you know, this is one of the complaints about innovation, right? If you don't if you don't allow for more innovation, you don't get better experiences. What do you think of that? And it was just kind of like, ooh. <laughs> so I think that she's really shown that First off, she's not really uh, taken by either company, right? She she is not starstruck on any level. She's asking really tough questions of them. But on top of that, she is thinking about these things in a very aggressive manner versus kind of sitting back and, and taking it all in. And I think that that means that we're going to get a better decision out of this, right? She she can't just, you know, bang the gavel and say what she thinks. She has to write it all out. I think we're going to get a very thoughtfully written uh, decision in the end. And that means that when this all goes to appeal, which guarantee that'll happen, the lawyers will continue being paid, um, that we're going to have an interesting second kind of run at this because a lot of these issues will have already been meted out in this case. Interesting. And you've covered the whole trial from start to, well, close to the end. Is there any way to kind of gauge who has the upper hand, who's made the more compelling argument? Um, and, and just sort of looking at some of these questions that the judge has asked, if there's been any indication of which way she's leaning toward? You know, I oftentimes get the feeling that she is more in Apple's corner at this point. And part of what drives me there is that whenever conversations, you know, ever and whenever she's throwing questions at Epic, a lot of times it seems to be the basic theory of their of their argument, right? Why do you have the right to completely upend the way that the iPhone works because you don't like it? And I think that in the end, she may end up, you know, trying to split the baby, as it's called, right, where she decides that, OK, we're going to give a little bit to Epic, which is maybe she forces Apple to allow people to put whatever they want in their app when it comes to payment processing, right? Or even to tell people right now, you can't even tell someone in your app, hey, if you go to my website, you'll get 15 percent off instead of buying it through Apple. Apple refuses to let them do that. You can't even do a website sign up inside of an app. 
So those types of things, I think she might push back on and say, Apple, get over yourselves, let people do that. And if she doesn't, I have a feeling Apple might want to consider that anyway. Um, but I don't see her completely tearing down the way the App Store works, primarily because Apple has made such a strong argument about privacy and security issues. And they've also, I think, argued pretty successfully that Epic's belief that this whole App Store review process is a sham to flex their power just isn't true. And even though the App Store is is very imperfect and the review process is is incredibly broken in some ways, it does work in others. And I think Apple was able to prove that. So that's my read of it. But I'm I, you know she may end up ruling however she does. I, you know it's one of those things when you have a really thoughtful person involved here, you don't know where they're gonna go. Right, and it, it may not necessarily be a complete win on both sides, as you sort of alluded to right there. It could be a bit of a mixed ruling. It's not necessarily up or down. No, I don't think that it has to be up or down. I mean, the reality is that Epic is not suing for any money, right? They want change in the App Store. So in theory, she could craft whatever answer she wants. Now, obviously, there are limits to that, but... I think that that opens the door to something where she tries to find a compromise. And by the way, having talked to legal experts and people close to the case, the one thing I have learned is that this is one of the like furthest away from possibly coming to a resolution on their own type of cases. Normally, there's settlement talks, and you know, back when Apple and Samsung were happening, I, you know, I, 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 I learned a lot about what the lawyers were talking about behind doors, and they had thrown around numbers and how much everyone would pay, and blah blah blah. That was normal. In this case, it has pretty much been. Well, we want you to tear down your app store. Uh, no, we won't. <laughs> and that's it. So this is actually like this decision is going to be very interesting and very impactful, partially because there's there's not that much room between them. Yeah. And you sort of answered my my next question before I got a chance to ask it. But that, that basically means settlement is out the window, right? This is this is definitely going down to decision and then most likely an appeal, right? There's always the possibility, right? And especially at this point in the game when the two start realizing that, oh, maybe it won't go the way I want. <laughs> they start moving towards settlement, right? That tends to happen in in some of these cases. But I think that, you know, Apple is obviously a very notoriously obstinate company. Mm -hmm. And Epic is... Uh, Tim Sweeney, the CEO, he has so much money and he's made it clear he wants to change the game industry to what he believes it should be. And he's willing to spend oodles of money to get there. So I think he seems rather obstinate too, which <laughs> means that we're going to end up probably not settling and, and getting to a decision. All right. Well, uh, before I leave you today, as we, we, Await Tim Cook's appearance in court. Anything else to look for? Anything you're looking out for specifically for or any su potential surprises that we might see from his testimony? Yeah, I mean, I again, it depends on which Tim Cook shows up, right? If, But I think that there's obviously Craig Federighi, the head of software, when he knocked the Mac, that was planned, right? Like um, there's a term that Apple has internally called UTB, right? Under the bus. <laughs> <They throw things. laughs> and it was very clear Mac had been UTB'd, right? So I think the question is, are there plans for how Tim Cook's going to set the stage of his argument 
before he gets cross-examined by Epic. And that that might be part of it, right? Because you only have one audience, the judge, right? We're just a sideshow. Then that means that he is going to want to drive the narrative in her head. And that could very well be her making him making a very compelling case or arguing something we hadn't thought about before, or I don't know what, right? And that that could be really interesting. The only other thing I'm going to be looking for is that he is there to kind of tell the logic of Apple, right? We've already gotten a lot of the inside numbers. We've already gotten a lot of the process stuff that's always behind closed doors. So what he's going to offer is kind of what is the philosophy, right? Like why be this controlling and why act this way even after we've debated security and all these other things? And I think that'll be interesting in and of itself because you know that's one thing he does pretty well is laying out how Apple feels about itself. So that'll be interesting. Well, Ian, thanks for your time. Lots to look forward to. You can check out his trial coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.